What is up, Andrew? Yo, what's good? I don't know. The weather here has been nice, but it sounds like it's been pretty warm for you out there now. It's kind of warm. I guess it's a side <laughs> effect of living in like a desert, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's why it's called a desert. I, I don't really know. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It's just all these rocks and stuff. Yeah, those don't make heat. <laughs> no, I got a rock yard. Which I was like, this is perfect. And then one of my buddies at work was like, well, until weeds grow through it. And I was like, what now? But <laughs> turns out. Yeah, this, is, this was your extreme thing because you're, you don't want to ever mow your lawn. You're like, I'm just going to move to the desert. And then, it's, yeah. then it ends up being all weeds. Yeah, then it's just all <laughs> weeds. Damn it. I pulled out the roundup. I need to pull up some stuff. I just can't be bothered. Well, Jason's out. This week, his wife was having a surgery that went well and everything. So sounds like they're doing good. Have you been anything fun with work? And No. <laughs> no, I've been tired recently. I'm just kind of tired. Been watching a lot of TV. A couple months ago, I was in that mood of just, eh, I don't know. I'm just going to watch TV and like binge watch a show or something. Yeah. It comes and goes. It remains to be seen what happens this weekend, but nothing too crazy this week. Although I did start watching the new Ted Lasso season, which is still so good. I haven't watched that at all. Heard Dude, good that, things. Oh, so. so good. And like Apple TV Plus has absolutely jack on it, but like it has this and that's like the only thing they have. And it's actually really <laughs> good. That's funny. Yeah, I have been in the opposite mood lately. I'll watch a little bit of YouTube, but that's it. And I'm like... Coming off of watching a whole eight series season or whatever, a season uh, show and stuff. And like, just feels weird where I'm like, what am I doing with all my time? Right. So I watch more YouTube than I should. It's not very hard to do. There's so much stuff on there. I have the ad free version. That's the only I, way to go these days. Like, it's so much nicer to watch YouTube without the ads. I know all these people that are like, oh, I'm never getting that. But, oh, so much nicer. But yeah. then you're just going to watch it so much more. The autoplay of the next video is what really gets you because you're just like, okay, uh, that one looks up. all right. I'll see what that is. You're just there for four hours before you know it. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. I've had no time to like watch any TV or, or relax or whatever because basically got back from vacation and was like, you know what? It's time. I'm going to refactor pay. So have you ever, you know, a feature you need to go implement that takes you multiple attempts where you just completely abandon what you're building and you write it like four or five, 10, 15 times because you're like working yourself into some sort of corner or you just are like, this isn't working how I want it to. And You've learned some stuff and you just abandoned it. And you're like, I think I can do it better if I start fresh. If you had those times. I'm so triggered right now. I can't believe <laughs> you just brought up all this pain for me. Yes. <laughs> so many times. Yeah. This was definitely one of those. It's funny because it reminded me of my first real project that I ever really did in programming. It was also my first open source project called Carex, which was... You spell it? 
C A R K E R Y X. And okay. this is when I was learning Python and had learned how to use Linux for the first time and stuff. So I have a computer that I install Linux on and my parents are freaking out because they're like, you're going to brick the computer if you put Linux on it and you do it wrong. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works, but also uh, I'll I be mean, careful, I, <laughs> but I'm going to do I, it I anyways. Bricked com- I bricked a computer when I was younger. And I don't think my mom ever forgave me because it was the <laughs> computer with all her photos on it from our childhood. Yeah, yeah. I bricked that computer trying to like backdoor into windows. <clears throat> she was oh, I, I, that was like the one time like uh, uh like when i think back at the times i've been in trouble that was like peak trouble <laughs> <laughs> i love it it was my own computer that i finally was like had the balls to install linux on it instead of windows and try to dual boot it but i'm pretty sure i messed up the bootloader or whatever but anyways we had dial up because we lived in the country and linux and dial up don't really get along because Literally everything you want to install has to go through the repositories. So you got to have an internet connection. And of course, there's no Windows installers are nice because they're like, or they used to be at least where they were like, hey, all of the stuff is inside this file and we'll install it for you instead of having to download stuff. But of course, that's not the case anymore. But I started learning about the packages on Ubuntu and how they're set up and whatever. And started like watching the logs you'd run like install command as verbose and then huh it's downloading all these files from these urls and whatever and i start just like downloading them myself and finding the like list of all the available packages and stuff and i was like i could probably parse this file and download these myself so i was trying to teach myself to code and stuff so i learned python because it's already installed on Ubuntu back in the day and everything. And I was like, well, okay, maybe I can run this on a flash drive because Python works in on Windows too. So I could build something to download Firefox and all its dependencies at school with high-speed internet, put it on a flash drive and come home. And that was like the project that I built, but I had never built anything before. Like I had honestly never done any OO. Like I didn't really know why you would want a class (laughs) and all this stuff. So as I'm building it, I'm like learning these things because I'm forced to. And I swear I rewrote that thing at least 14 times. And every time it would be more and more like flexible and get smaller It support more features and also get smaller. And at one point I had built this plugin system that would like I mean, you could build an MP3 player or something and just build it as something that will hook into it and whatever. But it brought me, this refactoring brought me back to those days of like, I know I need to go make these changes. I don't exactly know how I'm going to do them yet. So the first couple of attempts were like, what is it really going to look like when I'm finished? Ideally, kind of the TDD approach of like, write the code you want and then make it work. And then I start doing that and I'm like, realizing all these extra things that I'm going to have to worry about and migrate data around and everything. And it starts to go down the rabbit hole. And so I restart and I think I just get check out the entire folder reset and try it again. It didn't really go quite as planned. And I think the third or fourth try got pretty far. And I also went and like, I have an example 
like a test dummy app in the gem. As I'm doing it, I wrote like a migration for that app because I know that database structure would be what everybody's using right now. So if I can upgrade the dummy app in the gem, then I can know that the test suite is going to work on like where it should be. The interesting thing, like I was thinking about as, as I was doing this, is a lot of the extra complexity here is because working on a, an open source gem that has like a thousand stars and I don't know how many installs. And all of those people probably have some data in there that I need to migrate to this new way of doing things. And that's a much harder problem than changing a library or something in your application that only affects your application. You can like make breaking changes and it doesn't matter. But I'm like, I've got to build potentially go back to the old version, like release this as a new major version, include an upgrade guide, upgrade migrations, all those things. But then also probably go back to the current version and be like, hey, here's deprecation warnings for all these things. Ideally, probably you would go and be really detailed about it. If you're doing this for Rails or something, be like every one of those things, add deprecation warnings as you add it to the new fork and stuff. So I haven't really done a whole lot of gems that have like database functionality because Pay has basically the way I'm re-architecting it is to be more like active storage and action text where Rails controls the database migrations. You just install them and you can update whenever they update. But the model lives inside of Rails. And Pay had previously been where we would have you add it to your model. So if you have a user or a team or an account or someone who has a credit card, you would go add fields to it and then include our module on there to add the functionality, which would add a bunch of methods and things. But having seen active storage and action text and that sort of thing, they're just an association basically and like a helper method, which is really clean and really nice to interact with. And I was like, actually, that's probably how I should have done this because every time adding migrations to your models that we don't control is a lot of issues that people are having trouble with and the same thing repeated over and over again. So if I move those fields into basically saying, instead of your fields being on the user, we can make your user have many pay customers And each customer can be Stripe or Braintree or Paddle or we have a fake payment processor for testing. And then we'll have one of those as the default, which will be your, we'll just add a payment processor association and you just call that. It loads it. It has all the methods on there instead. And it's way more organized. But as I was going through that, I was like, this seems nice. That seems like a good idea. So I go build that. And then I'm like, oh no. What do I do with this other stuff? We have generic trials, which are like a trial without a credit card up front. And that was added to your user. But now if we have this association thing, we have no single place to put your generic trial anymore because that needed like one place. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, these are going to be problems. But it's kind of cool because if you think about it, that fake payment processor that we have, you could just use that for the cardless trial, which is perfect. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And we can 
move that column from the user model. You can drop that and create a fake subscription for that that user and say, hey, their trial end date is that same timestamp and voila, you're done. So it was kind of fun to like go through all that and figure it out. But boy, it was challenging because it was just four rewrites and a lot of complexity from each one of those things where it's like, we now have Stripe as the default maybe, but I also need to support multiple payment methods. So you could have four cards on file like Amazon does. And of course, none of the code is written with that in mind. We always update your default card. It's like, well, what does that mean? If another card webhook comes in and it doesn't exist, do we we don't make it the default? Do we have to check if it's the default in your Stripe API? And that is uh, an exhausting list of things that you're like, I thought we had solved all these problems in the gem, but now we have to go rethink almost everything. It was a challenge, but I've got probably 90% of it done. There's a few things that are like, I still need to finish some of the multiple payment method support because initially it was like, I was trying to do that with everything else. And that's one of those ones where you're like, if you're changing fundamentals, change them by themselves first and then add the new features. Don't try and do it all at once because that's where I ended up the first time. And it was bad news. So yeah, anyways, uh, long story short, pay version three is around the corner. It should be a million times easier for people to use. And hopefully that much times more sustainable for me to maintain. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I don't think you ever said why you were doing this in the beginning. Or was it just to do it? Because if it's just to do it, I totally get it. (laughs) No, it's not just to do it. So the problems that I was trying to solve were basically... Do you remember using like Carrier Wave and Paperclip and stuff for uploading files? Every single time you had a, a... field or a file upload to a model, you have to go and run a migration to that model to add the like four columns to it. Right. You know, it's kind of annoying. And then active storage comes out and is like, why don't we just maintain the model ourselves and you'll use right, it they have their, their own model. Yeah. Yeah. I got that part. That part I really so, liked. So that was one of the reasons. And so I got a bunch of issues about with carrier wave, those fields you added never changed. Pays changed a few times. And you added those fields, but then I needed you to change them for all of those models later on. And so people who were upgrading would miss that. And then they would have all these errors because they're missing a column and stuff. And so that was one of the big things. It'll be so much more maintainable if I just maintain any of the updates to the pay columns and it never touches your models. Then the other thing was that in development, eager loading doesn't necessarily mean that your user model or your account or any model or any class is even loaded until it needs to be. So if you're testing webhooks and the webhook comes in and says, hey, there is a new payment for this customer. You've got to go query some table and we don't know which table because it could be, it's polymorphic. So charges are associated with any models in your app. It could be literally anything. Some people have multiple models where they're building a marketplace and they have 
their direct customers, but they're customers or merchants and they have their own, you now have to query multiple tables. That was a problem. So another reason for extracting those columns off is I can put them in the pay customer model with a polymorphic association and just say, hey, this can be associated with anything, but the webhooks can just query a single table. And it can say, hey, this is a Stripe webhook for this customer. So we're going to look for a pay customer. Well, it's the Stripe payment processor and this ID for the, the customer. And then I just query one table and that's it. I have access to whatever I need there. And that's much better because we are doing a module that you include on your models that would use the included callback thing where I could build an array and say like user included billable and account also included billable. And I would have this array that I could search. But of course, those would never load in eager loading, like on a test or something. So then the array would be empty and we'd just not find your user at all. And that would be very strange. And that was a problem. So that's fixed too. And that's a big reason that it wasn't reliable. And I didn't want to force you to be eager loading your application all the time because you could have a giant app and it's going to take forever to load. And that's why Shopify has giant apps and they built BootSnap and all this stuff. And their goal is to make it boot faster. And here I am building pay and it's not actually, you need to boot as slow as possible. So we have everything. So that was the two big changes. And then as part of that too, like I can go and basically add the other payment methods in there as another model that we can manage easier because same deal was if I'm going to support multiple payment methods right now or in the previous version, I'd have to shove that data onto your user or your account or whatever. And that's more columns or or like more crap to store in a JSONB column. So I was like, yeah, I don't really want to build that feature until I fix these problems. So it killed a lot of issues all in one swoop, but it was solid at least a week, maybe a week and a half. The one night where I really made the final version successful, I started at 8 p.m. and finished at like 2 a.m. And that was like... Ah, about that late life. I don't do that very often anymore, but it really brought me back to like the late night college days of programming stuff. And it was so much fun. I don't have a lot of those, but it was one when you're on a roll and you're like really just in the zone and everything's kind of lining up and you're like, I'm just not going to go to bed until this is done. Cause like, I know I can finish it if I keep going. So I did. It was great. You got to live my life for the night. <laughs> <laughs> I do that more than I should. The problem is I don't finish and then go to bed like a good person. It's always good to like pump the brakes at least, but yeah, I remember there was one time in college where like I stayed up super late and I was like, I thought I was nailing this thing that I was doing and it was some homework project or something. And I woke up the next day and looked at the code and I was like, it doesn't work. It doesn't even make any sense. I can't understand any of this. And I thought it was super efficient and like really awesome the night before. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that was, yeah, 
<laughs> That's a hard thing to come to terms to. Just because not sleeping is like very bad for you and you will not do good work and all this other stuff. But in the moment, you're like, I've got it. I'm there. I'm in the zone. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop me. You got your pump up music playing. You just don't realize, or if you don't have self-control like me, then you're like, oh, I got this. I know like the other 300 <laughs> times I've tried this, it didn't work, but this time I've got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did that quite often. I will say one of my favorite things that we did around that same time was most of our CS homework is like pretty boring. And most of the time it was pretty easy. So my friend and I that I roomed with, we would just make challenges for ourselves just because we're like, this sucks. And this is the only way to make it fun. So we would go and do the same project and we'd be like, okay, let's start now. We got two hours. And at the end of the two hours, we'll show each other how far we got, what it does and how it works and just compare. And it was so much fun to do that. We built a project that was like an interpreter. So we had a fake programming language that we had to build a parser for and stuff. And I'm working on it, my style and my roommates doing his style. And we like come back and and it's so fascinating to see the like different approaches and stuff cuz it turned out that his was faster but mine would support literally any syntax or whatever but his was tied specifically to certain things but almost too much that like he hadn't finished and was like going to soon run into a feature he had to build that would require him to undo the like uh... performance stuff yeah, and it he was, didn't finish the grammar. He like early optimized it. And it was really fun to see that because like that's the stuff he loves doing. So he was like going deep on that and mine was like my interests. And that's like fun to see the different designs that you end up with the code when you have those different things that kind of guide what is most important to you when you're building this feature. Is it performance? Is it flexibility? Is it compatibility? And you can see so many different approaches and it's that's something that would be really fun to do on a weekend again and just give myself and say three or four other people a little project and be like, okay, we're all going to do this. We'll meet back on Sunday and then we'll go through and do a Zoom and show each other how it works and how we built it and designed it. That would be a blast. Yeah. It's like a little hackathon. I did that at RailsConf actually one year. My first year, because I was still in school and I was working on my final capstone project to graduate. And because I had just been at RailsConf the whole day, like my brain was like pulsating with, oh my God, like I learned all this crap that I could do. And it was just breaming with ideas. I think I went to like a database talk. So, like, my thing was that was like a big aspect of my project was around databases or just the design of the database. And I came back to my hotel room. And my roommate was like my coworker because I was interning at the time. He was my coworker and is my coworker still today. And shout out Merritt because I don't think he listens to this, but I don't care because he stayed up with me for like an hour or two looking at my code, my database. And he sent me a PR and we talked about it. And then I went down to the lobby that night and finished my project. (laughs) So it was a lot of fun. He helped me. It was like a multi-tenant application and he helped Mm. me a lot with that part and it's so much fun to do stuff like that. Not, it it's not good for you in the long term, but like 
it's so much fun. It's one of the things that made me like love being a developer is like those long nights of just hacking on something. I was doing that from grade school. Like when I first started to code, it was just like reading this book and typing it into the computer. And oh my gosh, it's a calculator. And then going and trying to build other stuff and just spending, I don't know, ridiculous amounts of hours reading online, trying to understand. Like I tried to teach myself assembly in high school because that would allow me to do some stuff on my graphing calculator that you couldn't do with the TI basic. And like, I just did that because I was like, I'm trying to cheat on my homework and I have to use assembly to hide it in the operating system better. And I was like, just learning the stuff. It didn't really help me on my homework or school or anything. Like I forced myself to learn it on accident because I was trying to build the stupid thing. If you've been listening to the show for a bit, then you know that Jason and Chris have a crush on Laravel, and I basically battle JavaScript for fun. Regardless of what end of the stack and what language, they all have one thing in common, and that's Honey Badger. Stop wasting time configuring your tools and focus on shipping, knowing that no matter where you are, Honey Badger has your back. Oh, and speaking of shipping, the Honey Badger blog has been on fire recently. Seriously, and I don't say this lightly. Some of the best technical writing you're going to find all in one place. So go check that out. And while you're there, sign up for Honey Badger. Let them know he sent you. Thank you so much to Honey Badger for continuing to sponsor Remote Ruby and for not killing me for all the JavaScript errors I sent you this weekend. I remember going through to college for CS and getting to a point where I was like, I don't think I like programming anymore. Yeah, I, I got there too. Yeah. And that was like the weirdest moment ever. Cause I was like, I've literally spent what feels like my entire life programming for fun and I want to do this for a living and then get to college. And you're like, this is such a grind that I never want to do this ever again. Yeah, If that is going to be my life, I don't want to do it. And that was because they're making you write feel. Java, dude. That's what, for me, it was like all this Java. And I was like, <laughs> I can't envision myself doing this. I hate this. It wasn't until I found Ruby that I was like, oh, wait, there it is. That's the spark that I had and killed by Java. I was doing like Python and stuff on the side and we had C plus our freshman year and we had some visual basic, which I hated. And then there was... Okay, wait, hold up. What? (laughs) You hated visual basic? Yeah, it was just... It was terrible. I was spending time with like Python and building UIs and stuff with GTK and doing like Linux stuff that was like, okay, it's kind of like the Flexbox versus absolute position in CSS where like GTK was like, you want a button and your window's this big? Guess what? The button's going to take up the entire dang window. And then if you want to add other stuff in there, you like, squeeze things around and you say like this one grows and this one shrinks and whatever. And I went to Visual Basic. I don't know this language. It's very different than Python and C++ and whatever I was doing. And then all of these buttons and stuff just look terrible. But I didn't learn all of the like <laughs> UI stuff because right. they're like, you have a week to go build this like blackjack game. And you're like, I don't have time or care even to make this work. I think that was my trouble with all the stuff in school that was like, 
the projects are all stupid. They're like not yeah. real yeah. world projects. And yeah. I just can't get into those. Like a blackjack game, I don't care. But yeah. the one teacher, that assembly class that I had, the one teacher that taught that was my favorite by far. Because every project on that was like assembly with context where you imagine that you're building the moon rover and you have a camera and you need to take a picture, send it back to earth, compress this. And here you have assembly in a big old blob of binary data for the image. And that was great. It was practical. I can understand it. I can imagine how to make it better. I can figure out all of those other pieces of the puzzle that I like to think about, which are like, I don't want to just build this thing, but I want to think about it in the system as a whole. How are you going to interact with this and all that stuff? And so many of the projects were just like complete nonsense, terrible challenges and whatever. And that was rough. But at least for our capstone thing, it was like the first quarter or the first half of it was like first semester was go find a... um one of the areas of the school, they had like the admissions department or like the art department or whatever would all come to the CS department and say, hey, we have the software. We don't like it. Build us a better version. And so we would like do a pitch and pitch them why we want to work on that project. And they'd actually pick one of our teams to go build that. And we had to use Rails. And that was a big help in making me actually care about it enough to the point where I did like probably 75% or more of that project because the rest of the team wasn't ever really working on anything. But then I turned around and like the admissions department, well, what happens is everybody graduates and then the projects are thrown away and no one ever uses them. And I was like, what if they just pay me to work on it and they actually use it? So we got them to deploy it to a server on campus somewhere and I got access to it. I could deploy to it. And then I got them to pay me five grand a year to maintain my senior project three or four years. And then my roommate from college, he took it over after I was like, I don't have time for this anymore. And he did that for a couple of years. And it was pretty awesome to be like, yeah, most students are paying the school to learn. I'm having the school pay me to learn. And I thought that was pretty fun at the time. I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> That's funny. None of it clicked for me until I found the web because I just built things like since high school in the back end with no GUIs. Command line stuff. Yeah, so much Java, dude. So much reading Java. And I was good at HTML because I remember taking like a small HTML class in high school, but I was already like more advanced. I was able to kind of just do my stuff and then play video games. But in college, I thought I was going to be a video game engineer for a while until I found the yeah. web. Yeah. Was, oh, here we go. Oh, you reminded me. So when I started programming, I had a DOS Magnavox computer that my dad had that my dad had told my mom that was the last computer they'd ever buy. <laughs> and it was like a 1980s computer or something. And he had an Atari programming book and I figured out I could use that on that computer. And I'm like building little things and starting to learn like a little bit of graphics. And so I'm like, 
I'm going to go to the TV, turn on the Nintendo, and on paper, write down every pixel and every color of Mario, and then go write a program to draw Mario. So then I start like trying to figure out if I press left and right, how can I make him move with left and right? And I'm not thinking any ahead of this at all. And so I'm like, okay, if I press right, I can have it call this function and we'll like blank him out and then move him over and render him again. And I'm like, so if I press left, I'll just copy that code and move him the other direction. But I'm not smart enough to think far enough ahead that I actually need to have him change directions. He just like walks backwards. Oh, yeah. Instead of turning around and facing the other direction. And I was like, oh, no, I have to yeah. like rewrite all this code now just to make him face the other direction. And then I did that. And I'm starting to figure out, okay, this is working. Now I'm going to make him jump. And so I have it where you press space and there's a little loop that will go from zero to 20 or whatever. And it will go up and to the right 20 times. And then it'll go down and to the right 20 times. And I'm like, this is perfect. And then I run it and I'm like, what is this nonsense? And he goes in an upside down V and I'm like, oh no, there's gravity that I got to take into account too. And I'm like, that's it. I'm not making video games. There's just too much crap. I can go build Hangman and be done in a day versus I'll never make Mario. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, I've heard rumors that, you know, people that were doing work like that and also the people that were making like the claymations that they Mm. basically were just Mm -hmm. all on heroin. (laughs) And that's how they did it. Don't encourage people. (laughs) No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's, It's like an unnatural thing, especially back then to be able to figure that out. But whatever. That would explain a lot of things. Right, right. I was watching like some documentary on this on YouTube. (laughs) Have you ever read the Masters of Doom book? No. It's about John Carmack and John Romero making, well, they made originally, they made like a clone of Mario for the PC and that turned into Commander Keen and Wolfenstein 3D and all that. It's a pretty fun book to like, read and imagine what they were doing in that time. Cause I'm like, they're making video games. Like how much fun would that be? They loved playing video games and they just hung out with their friends and made video games for a living. And then they got super rich off doom. That's what I dreamed of as a kid in high school and college. That's what I want to do. And it's different now. I think the web's way easier to deal with than the video game industry sounds horrendous, but... uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Funny you mentioned that this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there. No, it sounds terrible. It's bad. So it's different than I imagined life as a programmer, but at the same time, I think it's... I couldn't have imagined building stuff in Rails and, and Ruby and all that. It was not something on my radar. And it also, over time, I realized my interests are not in algorithms and that sort of thing. Like, I like the merger of business and marketing and support and programming and all that together. The startup stuff is what I like the most. And Rails is a perfect kind of thing for that area. So, stumbled into the right place. But 
I didn't really know that at the time. The only thing I knew was coding is fun. Video games are fun. Code is cool. <laughs> yeah. When you were talking, it kind of reminded me that you're a few years older than me. Like when I was younger, Doom had already been out and I didn't even know about it. I didn't know yeah, about Doom until right. I was in high school or college. But I've never played Doom. Um, oh, really? My parents, yeah. my parents didn't let me have video games except for Mario. I was that kid that if you had a PlayStation that I was like, yo, you're trying to go your house to play PlayStation? All the time, like anytime. Me too. We had a handful of computer games and we had Game Boys and that was it. Mm -hmm. Like we had an old Game Boy and a Game Boy Color and that was it. And there was no PlayStation or any of that stuff. My cousins dropped off a Super Nintendo at my grandparents, which were like a mile away. So we would like try to go to my grandparents and not actually see my grandparents. We just want to run to the basement and play video games. Yeah. And... That was like not having video games on hand made me want to play them even more and made me like more obsessive about them than than if I had them. So yeah, it was kind of funny. It was definitely not what they intended. And then I had to break the seal like in high school, like late high school and college. Like when I got to college, oh man, so many video games. (laughs) So many video games. Yeah. So freshman year of college, this is like first time where you're on your own. You don't have your parents there. You're not going back to their house or anything. So I would go to campus, go to class for a little while in the morning. And then we would play eight hours a day, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. And we got to a point where we were like, we would have one person with the headset on just being obnoxious to all the other players. And that person would call out somebody and be like, you're terrible and whatever and just trash talk. But then the other person was like actually playing the game. And so you were trying to like keep up with their trash talking and stuff. And we would do all these like fun things like that. But my parents were like, do you even go to class? And we're like, (laughs) class is stupid. Class is dumb. (laughs) And it it was Uh, funny too, because like freshman year of college, you think, Everybody's telling you too, oh, it's so much more responsibilities and it's going to be way harder than high school. And then they just babying you, taking attendance in, in college. And we're learning the bare bones of C plus freshman year. And we have these two hour long labs to do little yeah. C plus programs that I'm done in 10 minutes. And I'm like, what? If you weren't even interested in this, like, why are you here? There was a lot of weird stuff. I had expectations of people were saying college was going to be a challenge. And then it was like the exact opposite. Yeah, it was, it was so, just a, yeah. another high school. It was strange. So was high school with illicit substances, really yeah. <laughs> high school cr- with crime. And it's so interesting. Cause like you're supposed to go to college right after high school. And it's like the maturity level of all these people are not ready to actually no. go and take it seriously and they should not and they should go work a job for several years and then come back to college because then they'll take it seriously and they're not going to waste hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think the one thing that helped me out with that was like, I was brought up that I was going to college no matter what, right? And I always hated school, but I was always friends with the older guys in my CS class. Because you had all your army guys who would come in after serving a few tours and yep. get on the GI Bill. So I was always like friends and working with those guys. 
And I guess to this day, I still kind of, I still don't hang out with a lot of people my own age, but because I was with people like that, I got a different perspective of it and was like, I'm not wasting this. And I just surrounded myself with mature people who were going places. Yeah. I did the same thing last night. We do a weekly hangout here in town with some friends and they're all eight years older or more than me. And they're like, it's interesting because this stuff, it feels kind of like we're in similar points of our careers, even though like I might be eight years younger or whatever, but there's just a lot of different paths. And most people end up spending a lot of their twenties or even thirties, just figuring out what they want to do with their life. And I was like, had that pretty figured out early on. That was never, there's never really anything else, maybe architecture or something that interests me, but it was never enough to pull me away from programming. I felt like it was kind of figured out since seventh or eighth grade, probably. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to do for a while. I didn't land on the specifics until college, but I knew I was going to do something with computer science. So like, that's always what I was doing. I don't know. I'm just, now I'm just like nostalgic thinking about like my like college friends and like late nights. I had a buddy sophomore year. His name is Alejandro. And me and that dude, we coded so much together and then we stopped having classes together and we kind of fell out of touch, but the nostalgia. Yeah. I miss that so much. When I graduated and got a job, we had a five person rails consultancy and we were trying to get our name out there and stuff. So we got like the Ruby meetup to be in our office and then the JavaScript meetup and stuff. But the one that was my favorite was a friend of mine started Code Until Dawn as a meetup that would go to a 24-hour coffee shop and we just hang out and code on whatever. And it was pretty quiet and stuff. You know, you'd meet these people, but at least you had someone else there if yeah. you wanted to talk to, or just like someone else that was working next to you that just kept you going. You and really so we feed off their energy. Yeah. So we moved that to our office and like my boss loved to kind of party and stuff. So he would like DJ from the iMac in the office. And over time it became really fun group of friends and we'd stay up till seven in the morning and like code, but eventually got to like, maybe we coded half the night, but it was a lot of Hmm. just fun stuff where I would go the day before I would go to the iMac and turn on SSH and like remote access and stuff. So he would, or like I plugged in a Bluetooth mouse in the back of it one day and he goes to DJ stuff and I'm sitting way across on the other side of the room and I have two, I didn't have a mouse on my laptop, but I had the mouse sitting there as if it was plugged into my laptop and he's playing stuff on Spotify and I keep switching it to like Justin Bieber and stuff. And he's someone hacked our computer. And I'm just like messing with him. And then we like go in the office and lock him out. He finally figures it out. And those are just so many fun times like that. Just coding along and not really any responsibilities. It was a blast, but right. I want to do some more of that again, but I don't, I don't do that very often anymore. You're getting too old, too old to stay up late. <laughs> but even just the, let's get together and hang out at a coffee shop and code. We need to do more of that. I feel like. Yeah. Miss those. I need to meet people in Phoenix to do that with, but this COVID thing yeah. is kind of fucking me. 
that makes it tough. And then we don't really have much of a Ruby community in St. Louis. So that makes it hard. There's definitely a lot of other stuff here, but I would ideally hang out with more Ruby and Rails devs here. So it looks maybe like one a day. lot of them here. I was looking at like the meetup size is like pretty big. I mean, since we're in like a major metropolitan. Yeah. How big? The biggest how one the... well, I don't, it was like a few thousand, I think. I'm wow. sure not a few thousand people go, but like still, yeah, that means that at one point there were a few thousand people writing Ruby here. Yeah. I think there's like PayPal might be here. I think PayPal does some rails. Okay. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. I think someone's here doing rails. I think PayPal or Braintree does Ruby and stuff maybe, but that is pretty awesome. I wonder if the lack of social interaction because of COVID will bring back conferences and meetups and make I have a feeling more exciting on whenever we I majorly over is 500 but still 500 is that's I mean that's that's just on one that's still solid yeah rubyaz.org they do like ruby colon colon az like a module I like it I like it it's the little things yeah I remember formatting my resume as a ruby class and having like methods and attributes and stuff on it. That was pretty sweet. That's a good way to apply to a, probably you would have to apply to a small-ish Ruby company where the hiring people actually know Ruby and it won't just be pure nonsense to HR. (laughs) Oh, HR. Yeah. I want to talk about HR. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, if we don't have anything more, I think it's a good place to call it kaput. Yeah. Yeah, that was the nostalgia episode. Yeah. And the pay episode. We talked about that for a good 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, it's been on my I mind. I bet that felt for so like, good. I bet that felt good. Like just this release. Like someone is, now someone has to listen to me. Like it is consumed my every waking thought for yep. the past at least 10 days, I think. So <laughs> I and, know how and that, that feels. And that's been really hard too because like I don't I didn't have anybody to like pair program with on it and make all these decisions, right. which is partly why I had to rewrite it four times. If I had someone to talk it through, then we probably would have caught a lot of those things earlier on. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be rough. And so, yeah, thanks for being my therapist today. You're welcome, dude. It's, it's just a rotation, dude. Anytime you want to program, man, just hit me up. I'm not doing jack squat. Yeah. Yeah. I should have hit you up. I don't know why I didn't think of it. I have all of this knowledge of the legacy design of it so far. And I was like, I think I can get through this, but yeah, it would have been much better to explain it all out to you and think it through and whatever. But sometimes you're just like, Hey, I want to blast some music and have some caffeine. And that's really where I ended up at that 8 PM to 2 AM just you know, like shut, yeah, yep. I I I feel you. I've been there. I probably I might yep. be there tonight. We'll see. When I'm doing that with some music and headphones and caffeine, it just brings me back to those old days, and I, I love yeah. it. I miss it. Throw on the, so, the some nostalgia music and just get to yeah, it. yeah, definitely. Well, cool. I guess that is it for this week. Maybe we'll have a Jason back on the show next week. So a wild Jason. Yeah. The wild Jason will throw our pokeballs at him and try and capture him for, try to for catch real. Him. 
Yeah. yeah. That's so that's our whenever we start our mega YouTube channel, we're gonna our first YouTube video <laughs> is gonna just be us chasing Jason in a truck with Pokeballs. <laughs> yeah, I like it. There you go. Cool. All right. All right. See you later. <laughs>